left me was the day that I died. But then I was reborn as a witch. Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff. And this week, this love week, you know, it's the day after Valentine's Day when you're listening to this. I hope everybody got some nice smooches and who anybody that didn't get any smooches mm-hmm. got to just uh, be mad at all the people that did get smooches because that's what oh, I thanks. did. Very that's important to be bitter. Yeah. I, and if <laughs> I like to be bitter, okay, let me be bitter. <laughs> well, if you uh, didn't get a smooch and you want a smooch, here is one. There you go. Ooh. But uh, if you didn't want it, then I'm sorry. And it wasn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore this. Only if you, you wanted want it, it, you can accept it. Right over. Yeah. You. It just yeah. Went whoosh right over your head. So you're good. It, but yeah, it was love a, is... an air kiss and you had to catch it. Yeah. 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 You if you consent, you know how that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the consensual, consensual air kiss. It's a common, common practice. It's a but thing. like the, the love is in the air still. I know that the holiday is over, but like my bloody Valentine this week, the love continues in a more sinister way this week. I don't know. I think it's a very uh, incredible love movie. And that is The Love Witch. <sighs> what a film and i'm just gonna do it now i've been i've had my screen dark um the whole time and and i i, I did my best to encapsulate the spirit of elaine uh and here i am <laughs> in your morticia wig in my gorgeous wig work I, I tried to do the makeup but like no wonder you wanted to highlight my wigs over here here's the thing we at spooky tuesday love wigs we it's love wig content wigs. baby <laughs> this is a wig podcast i posted that I'm one holding... tiktok with the sydney wig and somebody was like where's the monica wig and i was like just wait bestie Don't wig. <laughs> the monica wig sucks <laughs> I'm so sorry, but what do you want me to do? Buy a new wig just for yes. that? Yes. Okay. That or scalp me. You have two options. Okay, I'll come to your house. Monica, <laughs> buy Chelsea a wig so it's the exact one that you want. This is from my tits out Manny Halloween costume. I knew it. Party. I don't have yeah. a little tiny mullet. I reached, I used you to have. You have had a mullet. I've had a mullet and it was awesome. And I miss it every day. But my best friend tells me I can never get it again. It's Alex. She's mean, uh, but uh, I, I'm just happy for this opportunity to wear my Morticia wig um, mm-hmm. slash my share wig. But I will say that uh, I kind of look hor- like scary. Here's what you're serving. You're serving Trish. You know what I mean? When she gets all dressed up in the wig oh, at the end. Yeah, fuck, yeah. That's exactly what I look like. I look like Trish who's just like fucking 
desperate to look like Elaine in that moment. That is such a sad part of the movie. Ooh, this movie. Okay. We have a lot of thoughts. We've done a lot of research. I wish I had done more, but I will say that I was sober watching this. I was told to not to be flavor blasted and I didn't do that. And I still had an amazing time with a two hour long movie. That's saying something for me is really long. Like, and we've watched a lot of two hour movies that didn't feel long, but this one does. This was the longest two hour movie by far. Yeah. This was a very long two hours. This movie was maybe longer than Midsummer. (laughs) I feel like it dragged, but it was like intentional drag and like meandering as part of the whole vibe. Um, And also, though there are so many fucked up things with this movie, yeah, I get that. Aesthetically, I could live in this film my entire life. So I was not mad that it was two hours long for that in that regard. I was just like this weird music, all this makeup. I read this one article that was like casting is one of the most incredible aspects of this film. And like, yeah, how they get all these people who look like they're from 1960, because like people kind of looked a little bit different back in 1960. These people looked like it, like the the Hollywood standard was different. Yeah, I mean, I assume people look how they've always looked, but like the beauty standards of who was highlighted and who was on screen and memorialized for for later on. I don't know. People could, I don't know, maybe like, you know, it's like how everyone used to be short and now sometimes people are tall. Could be like that. Faces look. <laughs> it's true. Bitches used to be all short all the time. Now we get some tall freaks. Some of, some of the time it's great. We love them. I'm one of them. I'm, I'm tooting my own horn here, but bitches used to be tiny. That Everybody used to have tiny fucking feet, you know? Maybe at 50 years ago, people's faces looked different. And now, anyway, uh, scientists will find out one day. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, uh, Sydney, what's the Love Witch about for the fun people at home who might have not seen it? Well, so if you haven't seen the Love Witch, it is about a modern day which we're gonna use modern very loosely no Uh, it is and it's so weird is the thing I know it is but it like is it it's like it's incredible but uh it's a modern day which uses spells and magic to make men fall in love with her with deadly consequences that's honestly good for her Oh man. I'm, you know, I agree. <laughs> um here's the thing. I did get flavor blasted. Um and I watched this movie. I was absolutely overwhelmed on 14 different fronts. Um I texted like six different people to try and process this movie. Um And one of them was like, oh, yeah, I have seen that. And it's super problematic. And it sent me down this like long spiral. And then I rewatched it sober again a few days later. And so I'm still like process everything and reading all these different articles and like reading quotes from the director. And like my brain is just spinning. But I think ultimately my takeaway is kind of like. This is Danny at the end of Midsummer. You know what I mean? Like in midsummer you have this very vulnerable person who finds themselves like 
co-opted into a cult and then at the end it's this moment where she's in a cult but she doesn't realize it yet and she just is feeling like supported for the first time um and I think that's kind of where this movie starts like a year after that and so (laughs) I kind of think her situation is super fucked up and none of it is good well that's the thing well, okay, really quickly before I say my thought I was having, I think that Midsummer watched this movie uh, <laughs> because just like the whole Renaissance Fair scene, which was the greatest moment of my life, like all of the pr- problems aside, we leave them behind. We look at how it looks. And I texted Sydney and Chelsea and I was like, this is what Adam and I's marriage will be. We will stumble across <laughs> a mime in the woods and the mime will be like, you want to have a Renaissance marriage? And we'll be like, yes. And that's how it'll finally happen after being together for nearly eight years. A mime will make it happen. That's the only way. And I way. love you, that mime. Are you telling me and Chelsea that one of us needs to dress up it's you. It's not me. And have this elaborate wedding just like planned in a park one day. And that's going to be how we get you and Adam married. So that way all your friends are there. We're going to have to plan this. If you, if you do that shit, if you do what this director. The surprise did, wedding. The, where they, where she freaking painted all of the props herself and sewed all of the beautiful renaissance clothing herself and you set it up in the middle of the forest for me and you show up in that fucking mime costume and you have the little mini mime head of your own head of course I'll do whatever you say okay I just wanna I just it's on the record I will do that but I'm a very bad at sewing and not she doesn't know how to mime paint oh I can learn how to mime I'll go I am miming no doubts that Sydney can learn how to mime you have that in you babe okay (laughs) I'll just have Alex sew all the things and who do we know that's a good painter we gotta know somebody it's too bad that I can't be a part of it because I'm okay at painting especially painting suns I've done that a lot because I like sun and moon imagery We'll just do a lot of, here's the thing. We'll just do a lot of like, Hey, Monica, do you want to like be drunk in your backyard? Let's do arts and crafts. Monica, do you want to paint a mural of the sun? And it's just, you would say yes. Your own wedding stuff. But we're like, this definitely isn't for your Renaissance fair themed surprise wedding. Okay. I'll just forget this whole conversation ever happened. You you will forget this whole conversation ever happened. I remember things that happen. I don't remember movies. So maybe I'll be surprised by the the whole concept episode so it's fine (laughs) I listen one time to find video clips but I don't listen to the whole thing anyway (laughs) what I was gonna say before that was that I feel like the whole premise of this movie is that like she's trying to be like this empowered woman because she is a powerful woman like she has magical powers literally but like she's been so like perverted by like the the patriarchy, the men in her life that like the power that she's trying to wield is actually like hurting her as well or something like that. I mean, I'm trying to say smart things. It's hard. Um, it is hard. It is hard with this movie. Um, the thing is that like. 
I could have a takeaway from this movie that I don't know is necessarily the takeaway that I was meant to have from this movie and reading a bunch of different interviews with the director slash customer slash blah, 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 everything else, Anna Biller, um, confuses the issue for me, honestly, in a lot of ways, because she has talked a lot about how she finds slasher films to be incredibly misogynistic and about Mm -hmm. how she thinks that um, the final girl trope is like the masculinization of women and is like stripping them of their femininity. And that is misogyny at play. And I don't think that I agree with that at all. Um, But also I don't think that it is like, I, I don't know. She, she has these seem to me to be like contradictory quotes here. I'll find one that I um, saw on Twitter. Um, somebody like shared a screenshot of her and was like, why, why did you say this? Um, and she didn't say, I didn't say that. So like, even though I've only seen the screenshot, not the tweet itself, um, what she said in it was that men who survive in slasher movies are typically men who are effeminate and wear dresses and then people are trying to say like that's empowered um but then also she says or the men who die are jerks and the men who live are gallant and bring flowers for the women every day so it's like are the men who live good or are they effeminate and that's bad because it's disempowering to them because it strips them of their masculinity which is to say that masculinity is empowering for men and femininity is empowering for women which it certainly can be but she seems to hold them up and it seems like two opposite ideals that you can yeah. one or the other which is what I struggle with because I don't get that from this movie this no. movie to me is very like toxic masculinity is hurting all of us and the patriarchy is hurting yeah. all of us yeah it's hurting men and women because like these men have feelings and then like they she's okay she does their her witch magic on them to make them feel all these these intense emotions but then they can't withstand them and they literally die from them which is like not you, good okay <laughs> I want to talk about that actually do yeah. you think they literally die because they have feelings too big or do you think that they have feelings that they are expressing because she's used magic to make them fall in love with her and so now they're in love and they think they're with someone that they are safe with and they are expressing their emotions and she goes ew I wish you'd die in her head and then they die it could really go either way I because I really think it's ew I think he would die like her expression a lot of the times is so like oh totally stop and then when you the moment at the end with Trish sorry to bounce around so much but the moment at the end with Trish when Trish runs out she like grabs a charm and she literally is like crash 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 die 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 I think she's doing that in her head the second that one of these men expresses an emotion and she goes that's feminine that's not masculine that's not the masculine ideal I've been upholding as like the partner to the feminine ideal that I am trying to be I wish that they would literally get away from me and die and she doesn't say that because she doesn't want to actually kill anybody I think until like we see her be surprised at Wayne's death um Mm -hmm. and then do like a little mourning for him but she also is so immediately disgusted the second that he isn't this like masculine ideal that she upheld him to be yeah no I totally agree like when um what what's the the professor's name is that's Wayne Wayne Wayne. yeah so hot um anyway (laughs) (laughs) Wayne um 
he like immediately is like, oh my God, I need you. Please be here. Elaine, Elaine calls, calls her name a thousand million times. And she's just like, she's literally like, oh my God. And just leaves the room and goes to like chain smoke downstairs. And like, no. And she's like, what a pussy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She literally says that. And, well, does she, she, she kind of like exactly says that. I don't know. Yeah. I, this movie, I feel like it has such a clear vision and a clear, like, like visual aesthetic vision, but then the themes within it are so convoluted. Um, and I mean, I mean, there's something to be said just for that because like, that's life. Not, nothing is like cut and dry. There's problems with with like different views from of feminism there's obviously problems with the patriarchy and all of that and it's just like I don't know if that's what she was trying to say also that like there is no perfect answer or something but if that's what it is I don't just she doesn't make that clear either I god I just was so ready for this to be like, like badass witch and then she's like in her little tea party outfit and she's like men are idiots. And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, but the only way to control them is to crush yourself into a tiny mold of what a woman should be and let them fuck you whenever they want. And then you really have power. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. I, I go ahead, Sydney. So when when that scene happens, we don't have a lot of context, like backstory for Elaine. Yes. It's not until mm-hmm. later in the movie we realize, like, she is traumatized. Like, yes. we, we get a scene, like, her ex-husband was abusive. Her father was abusive. And it just, like, emotionally abusive, all this stuff. You see Elaine. She is so well put together all the time hair always done, makeup always done, nothing out of place. And we see her like constantly like adjusting and doing things. So I think you see her like having to always constantly be on, be this like ideal woman when like, and for her, I think that might be kind of like a coping mechanism for her and all of her trauma with her like you know, her husband and her father were like, what is going on? Like, you're ugly, you're all this stuff. And she just, I think, so desperately wants to be loved for who she actually is. But she's having to put on, like, this big lie, basically, of a facade. And this, like, this whole movie is female fantasy and male fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like, she is, like, forcing herself to be the like ideal male fantasy, which is being submissive, always doing this kind of stuff. But that's like not actually who she is. She's actually very assertive. She's so dominant with women. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but she's like, oh, you have to be this, like, you have to give them what they want. You have to be this submissive thing. And that's not who she is. Not at all. She's like, why don't you take me to the mountain right now? Yeah. Like (laughs) she is so assertive like so and but for her to like kind of have to be like oh no you have to be submissive you have to do like I think that's also her like fantasy of 
oh, I have to. And it's just, I think, a way for her to have control of the situation as well, too. Mm. I, can I see hear that. you. Um, but for me, that issue is so complicated by the fact that, like, these structures are not her own. These, this is not her idea of femininity. This is not her idea of beauty. This is not her idea of womanhood. Like she explicitly says, these ideas were all given to me by Barb and Gahan at the coven. They taught all of this to me. I knew literally nothing before they gave me these instructions and now I live by them. Um, And I, it's, it's, Interesting to me, because to me, my read of the film is that Gahan is absolutely structured and paralleled as one of her abusers. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. He's 100%. No, she's scared of him the whole time. Like, right. She's scared she, of she him. She recoils from him at every turn. Right. But but also she's like living her life according to the rules that he has given her. And then in an interview, I don't know. Cause for, for me, the thing is, it's really hard for me to justify mm. the text of the film with what the director is saying is like her authorial intent, because she's saying like people are reacting negatively to Elaine because she's so feminine and so put together and people just can't like get behind the idea that a woman wants to look this way and do this but it but she we don't know that that's what Elaine wants that's what Gahan told her to do yeah oh it's like this it's this horrible scenario where it's like do all of these things and then you have power it's like he they gave her a rule book and like this is how you can have power as a woman but like the rules are fake and it's all a trap to keep women trapped like that's what it feels like this this magic cult was which works for gay hand because then he gets yeah. to have all these ladies coming in and he gets and to all fuck every single one of us. them yes he gets to kiss yeah. them on their womb which first of all stop ew i think he also kisses some titties at one point no well, dp and then he, the first time he sees Elaine, he goes to kiss her on the mouth and she gives him the cheek yeah um <laughs> go girl yes but Good like for you he's he's so clearly is like running the show and I don't think that we ever really see her break free of that which is like fine you don't have that doesn't have to be the narrative of the movie Mm -hmm. but I but it's it's so weird for me because the author is being like this is an autobiography and she is so empowered and she is the feminine ideal and it's just like but is she because this is this man's idea of the feminine ideal Uh, yeah I feel like there's so many aspects of her life where she does like seem like she has her own all this power like she's running her witch business it's going very well she like is a young entrepreneur in that way but it's just like I don't know. She's just the magic that she was given or not given. She earned it or whatever, however you want to say it, like, isn't, it doesn't do what she wants it to do. It never can do what she wants it to do. And she's been told, I guess that it will do this certain thing, but it can't because like, I mean, there's this quote from this article that I really, really liked. Let me pull up what it is. It's anothergaze.com. 
who wrote this by Annette Lepique. Great name. Um, and the quote that I want to pull out from that is this. Um, they say, okay, this is the quote that I was, I was paraphrasing earlier at the tea party with Trish. Um, Elaine says, men are like children. They're very easy to please as long as we give them what they want. And Trish is horrified by Elaine's seemingly outmoded view of female submission. But Elaine's submission is self-interested. She only coddles a man, cooks for him, or has sex with him because she views those activities as stepping stones to reciprocity, a relationship where Elaine receives her partner's devotion and affection coddled in turn. And so like, she's like doing all these things because she thinks the man is going to react in this certain way. And you see this specifically in at the ending we won't go fully into the ending but she has these visions of all the men in her past being like i love you elaine you're amazing you're so fantastic she sees wayne she sees what's what's her husband's name jerry jerry who was a good guess though <laughs> uh, been, i was just gonna say a man's name um she sees them all saying that they love her and they're all like level-headed they're not like psychotic like how they actually were once she'd done the love magic on them where they were like Elaine I will die for you Elaine I'm gonna throw up because I <laughs> wish that my wife was you like that kind of stuff they're like they're like stars in their eyes like I love you you're amazing and mm -hmm. like that's what she wants and that's the outcome that she's looking for but it always like again this this magic that she's using doesn't give you that it can't give her that and her tactics that she's using can't reach those ends no matter what. So she's in this like never ending cycle where she'll, she can never get, reach her goals. It's maddening. I don't know. This movie made me go insane. <laughs> did you, did y'all figure out like the, between uh, Richard, who is uh, Trisha's, husband. Trisha's, Trisha's husband. husband and then Wayne, what they have in common? They have they dark have hair. They live in the same town. Nah, well, yeah. Uh, but they were they both have... talking to another woman initially. Well, sure. But <laughs> they both kind of, like, they wanted to be kind of playboys. Like, Wayne literally called himself a, what is a it? Libertine. Oh. A libertine. A libertine. Which I Googled, by the way, if you'd like I had to definition. Google, too. But yes, tell our listeners if they also were like, what is a libertine? Yeah, there were two definitions, um, and I'm going to give you the first because it jives with his quote on the subject, which is a person, especially a man, who behaves without moral principles or a sense of responsibility, especially in sexual matters. The other one is a person who rejects accepted opinions in matters of religion, a free thinker, and I'm sure he considers himself both. But what he says is, I love women. Does that bother you? So I take it to mean that he is a libertine in the um, fucks around a lot kind of way. But then we see fancy way of saying fuck boy. You know, Robert is married and he's talking about like, oh, I wish I had more affairs. I wish I had all these kind of things. So she's finding these two men who are like, oh no, I want all of the this, like, I want, I have all these women, I want all these women. And then after they're with her, they like only want her. And TBH, isn't that something that like a lot of women do where they like find a man and they're like, I could fix him. I could make this like mess, like this, like 
fuck boy be like only want me like isn't that a fantasy like isn't that like an ultimate like to change the bad boy Yeah. yeah um I guess though my question is also Wayne is different because he's confirmed a little slut within the text um, and everybody is like he sleeps around a lot he takes a lot of dates to his cabins he loves to do drugs and have sex etc um and he himself says what like I love women and then um f- frankly and he is such a piece of shit um although I have complicated feelings about all of this um but when he's in his emotional ramp saying the deepest feelings in his heart what his deepest feelings are hot ladies be crazy and ugly ladies are smart but they're ugly which is so sad um oh god when he was bearing his soul and he just said the stupidest shit that I've ever heard I was like oh your soul is dumb that sucks I transcribed probably like 75% of this movie because I was like, I need to closely analyze this text. Um, but, but that whole quote, I just want to give it to you for a second. Um, she's like, what is it, Wayne? What is it, baby? And that way that she talks and he goes, I feel so strange. She says, it's all right. You're with me. And he says, oh, Wayne, no woman has ever given herself like that to me before he's no no lady has ever fucked him in such a way without expectations like he's moved by it which honestly would be touching except <laughs> she goes life has been tough huh and he goes yeah in a way you're not like any other woman i've met no games no agendas you just seem to take life as it is and she goes is there any other way to take life he's a and bad he- reader of people anyway <laughs> i know he goes, well, the women I've been with, they all want you to make a bunch of promises to them as soon as you sleep with them. But how can you commit to someone that you don't even know? It's crazy, which like is not a bad point. But then he says, I never thought I wanted to be tied down to anybody, but it's just because nobody was ever quite right. All the women that I'm attracted to physically, they're never bright. And all the bright ones are homely and don't arouse me. And she goes, that sounds like quite a problem. And he goes, it is. It is. <laughs> All the smart bitches are ugly. Oh, no. He was like, on my whole up. life thinking I didn't need anyone. But now I'm not so sure. He's like, oh, my gosh, you're hot and you've got a brain. You're the one. But it's just like, um, Wayne, you I acted less... that the exact same way that he did. So like, great job. It was so perfect. It was such an incredible delivery. Um, Amazing. <laughs> but the thing is that Wayne, I have slightly less sympathy. He didn't deserve to die. I have slightly less sympathy for him, but it is not clear to me how much is the men acting on their own free will and how much is not. Like it certainly seems that she says at one point when she's talking to Griff because he is quote immune to love so her powers don't work on him the same way she certainly seems to be able to use like sex magic on him just fine um but the the love magic part is not following in the way that she expects Mm. um but she has there are these moments where the camera makes it very clear that she has them like under her will or under her spell if you will where it cuts just to her eyes like burning into them Mm -hmm. kind of in the same way that Candyman used the shot 
on the eyes with like, it was different in Candyman because in Candyman, when they showed somebody's eyes, it was to show that they were like under Candyman spell. So their mm-hmm. gaze was like kind of soft and unfocused. And there was like oh, this highlight light, across yeah. them to have, yeah, the like nostalgic, like caught in a moment kind of thing. And she's just burning into you. And then there's like an immediate transformation after she burns you with her little laser eyes. Um, yeah. And with, with Wayne, um, he kind of immediately, she puts out the feelers, like, who's, who trying to fuck, um, is honestly <laughs> the feelers that she put out if it's sex magic, am I wrong? Um, and then Wayne is like, I'm trying to fuck, and he turns around, and she's like, lasers into him, he comes over, and she's like, do you want to take me into the mountains and fuck me? And he's like, okay, and he has no further questions, um, so yeah, not also, to say like- that that's what happens, but like, whatever, but Richard, He's just talking about how he loves his wife and how he wants to fly a plane. And then she lasers into him and he's like, I guess I'd fuck a lady. And it's like, okay, but how much of that is Richard on his, how much would Richard have done if she was not controlling him? You know what I mean? She says that you can only act on what's there, but is what's there sexual attraction to her? And she's like, amplifying it to the fact that their horniness overtakes their rational brain or is she like stripping them of free will in some capacity because yeah I'm not sure it's it's not clear to me and the lack of free will makes me very uncomfortable um again Wayne I feel less bad for because that seems less like a lack of free will and more like he's just high as hell which is I don't want to say on him, but she hands him a drink and he goes, what's in it? And she goes, I made it. So he downs it in one gulp. Um, I would fucking never do that. If the hottest bitch I ever seen gave me a flask and was like, drink the whole thing right now. I'd be like, why aren't we sharing it? We want to be on the same wavelength here. Here's the thing with Wayne. Like if this was a woman and you just saw a hot guy and he was like, do you have a secluded cabin in the woods that you want to go to right now with me? Like what? (laughs) Right. Which is part of my question. Like, I guess is, is it that Wayne as a person is such a dirty dog that he has no follow-up questions or is it that Wayne is generally a horny person, but her sex magic has him like, it's her magic that is like overpowering any reason in his brain that would have him asking too many follow-up questions beyond what we see or is it just that as a man he has never been socialized to To see a member of the opposite sex as dangerous to them potentially I feel like it could go other ways I like to read it as a less um to use my favorite adjective sorry, rapey way of magic. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause that's what we're t- towing around here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's because, either sexual assault or it's not. Yeah. But I think that um, especially with, Oh my God, it would be great if I remembered one name in my life, Richard, Richard. Trish, um, Robert with, with Richard, like he gives her the eyes the first second that he sees her. So it's think- not like he's not attracted to her. It's clear that he is attracted to her. And also I'm not saying that you can't hang out with your with your like friends, boyfriend or something like that. Like Sydney, you gone to soup plantation with Adam. I didn't worry about it. But I did. Adam I and mean, I did like- have a very romantic 
romantic date at the RIP soup plantation. I know. And I, and I understand. And it was very, and that's an erotic. Elaine, she would have loved soup plantation. She would have. And a- here's the thing too. Did we not also immediately send you the dumbest photo of me and yeah. Adam in soup plantation? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But you know, going into it, you knew that you were probably going to have, you're going to fuck on the table of soup plantation. You two knew that going into it. And Richard and Elaine knew that too. <laughs> that was the plan. But unfortunately, there was too many families around. Too many children. Plantation. Yeah, that's the problem Damn. with soup plantation. <laughs> I've always said that about Sue Plantation. Um, but like, I feel like she probably was like, Richard, I'm scared. Do you want to come over? And he was like, anything for you, Elaine. This is totally going to be kosher. You waited to hang out with me what, the second that Trish is out of town. Like, you know, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It didn't come from nowhere. But I do just want to give a little shine to Richard because she's like, what turns you on, Richard? And he's like, one, no one's ever asked me before in my life. I'm so excited. And then he's like, it's planes. Baby, it's planes. I love to be in a plane and to fly the plane. And I was just like, oh my God, you fucking nerd. Good for you. <laughs> also, my one of my favorite things is when they're in the tea room at the beginning and Trish is like, Oh, well, you know, I guess I have used sex to get some things that I want. And then like looks at her wedding ring. And I was just like, okay, Trish. Also, like, can we just briefly talk about how Trish wants to fuck Elaine also? And it's so obvious. And that was the answer to all of the problems was for them to fuck. And that was set up in the first minute. And then she literally shows up and she's like you're so pretty um I didn't mean anything by that though I'm married and it's like there's no other way to take that than gay yeah I mean like she it would have just been like wow you're so pretty but then she was like but I didn't mean anything by that and then I'm like you're a homosexual woman like that's what's happening right now Uh. the thing with Richard is I didn't I don't know that I got that it was like an eyes moment immediately the first time. Cause that's what Wikipedia said too. The Wikipedia summary says she decides that the next man she will try to seduce will be Richard since he is married and cannot obsess over her because like they had a moment of attraction the first time they laid eyes on each other. But those like discordant tones to me was very like alarm bells um warning oh. signs, especially because Trish had just been saying like how her husband is great and doesn't uphold the patriarchy in their marriage. Like they're, they literally are talking about patriarchy in this movie. Yeah. Right. And left, which is why it's so complicated. I think Um, maybe why the alarm bell thing goes off is because like, Oh, they're just saying, Oh, he's so great. But then he's immediately making fuck me eyes at Elaine. So like, Oh, he's not that great. Cause he's automatically doing that. You know, I think that was the read, but I, I think they definitely had that attraction from the get. I, I thought like he was going to be evil the first time, frankly. He just looks kind of evil. He, he does. does. Just he just looks kind of evil. He looks like a less angular version of that one uh, Charlie's Angels villain who cuts oh, everyone's hair. Oh, the creepy thin man. Yeah. Creepy thin man. Creepy thin man. They could be cousins. Crisper, Crisp, Crisp, Crisp. What's his name? Crispin Crisper. Glover. Yeah. Crisper Glovin? What is it? Crispin. Crispin? Crispin. Crispin? Somebody Google. I'll Google. 
Crispin. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Crispin Glover. So. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a great name. Crispin. Good for him. And then the second image on was him with the hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, Love that movie. Yeah. So, so also so problematic. This Tuesday. So oh, many yeah. <laughs> terrible racial Ooh. jokes in that movie. <laughs> so much cultural appropriation left and right. But also Lucy Liu is wearing leather. And so like, what are you going to do? Oh, I know you're going to watch it for the Lucy Liu you're in gonna leather. You're going to watch it for Lucy Liu in leather. And then Drew Barrymore's like in her jumpsuit oh. with her titties. It's oh. so hot. Oh my god. Anyway, back to anyway, this movie. This movie, this <laughs> movie also hot. Uh, but this movie was a porn, except for apparently, um, the the director hates porn, so she yeah. doesn't think that it's a porn. I read this one interview with her. It was from on IndieWire, and I was like, I don't fucking know what is happening. Like, I just. <laughs> Adam's also really upset by the article on IndieWire. Adam's just like, uh, no, how was, could she not James. be with porn? That was James. And oh, I think James. he's reacting to the Olympics right now. Mm, <laughs> so mm. that was an Olympics <laughs> reaction. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, no. I, she, the, this interview, they were like at Tam O'Shanter's, which is a great place. And then she's just like, yeah, like, I flirted with the idea of porn, but it's not or something. I was like, I don't even know what she's trying to say. Like all these quotes could mean like five different things. Yeah. The thing in one of them that I read is that she was saying like, she she's anti-porn because so much of it is exploitative. And so it inherently can't be feminist if it's exploitative, which I agree with. Um, but there seems to be no consideration for the nature of consensual sex work um, or the nature of female driven like sex work or or people who are doing solo sex work who like are because okay here's the thing one of the articles I read um, the the tip off that I got was that Anna Biller is transphobic and this movie is like very bioessentialist um, which it is in the sense that the whole thing is like women are powerful because of their wombs and your magic comes from your wombs and womb women women womb not that not a woman no magic whatever yeah. um, and so it essentially is like that. reducing people to their anatomy um and 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 the dichotomy that we were just talking about like masculinity femininity there are two separate right. things the very just, rigid gender roles yeah I, um, hate, I hate that it's just like right. everyone contains both like come on yes and we all exist on a spectrum which she did kind of say at one point in one quote so it was, again I was like I'm not sure what her perspective is exactly um but I was sent one article from what's the website screamqueens.com and again every article we mentioned we'll put in our references if you want to read it in full um but this was an article written by a gender non-conforming person named red who was talking about like the bioessentialism and the transphobic dog whistles in this movie and how like fucked up it is um and then i read another article 
on Medium from a trans woman who had done sex work and was saying like they really liked this movie and they really can see themselves in this movie and they can really see themselves in the very like purposeful presentation of Elaine and the way that she puts Mm. herself together and the way that it is like holding up a mirror to what she thinks the world wants to see from her um, in some ways. And also in some ways it is like very purposefully choosing your presentation um and also elaine is not not a sex worker like she's doing burlesque um, and a lot of these characters are doing burlesque and so this this writer was saying i see myself in this film i just think it is like such a shame that this film can't see itself in me um and that the Mm -hmm. the author doesn't see space for me to exist in this film um and to be part of this world and so i think that's a really interesting perspective um but it's just like again the so much of it is contradicting sorry go ahead please I was just gonna say like because this movie was like also you know supposed to be set in the 60s do you think it's not but like the aesthetics and stuff I know it's supposed to be like a modern day thing but it was taking all of these like like influences from Mm -hmm. like Hitchcock films a lot from like the over like things of the 60s like that could play in because like back in the day like you didn't see any because like you like one of my favorite things it's like I know this supposed to be is like set in modern day but Mm -hmm. everything is so not modern that when you see weird modern things like the weird rav four in the background or the fact that Trish whips out her iPhone at the Victorian tea palace right so oh like oh my god like... that didn't even register for me <laughs> and then at the end they're like the dna proof what i was like i said i was flavor blasted the first time when i saw the iphone you don't see any like clear logos or anything but i saw it and i was like that was a cell phone and then it got put away so fast that i was like i will just have to check that later um and then at the end of the movie they were like the dna proved and i was like the dna okay like that was cool. it for me <laughs> We're no I longer in the sixties. I first, I thought too that it was fully in the sixties because I was like, they got a fucking jar of her piss and her blood, and they haven't connected her definitively to the crime yet. And they're just and like the- touching it with their whole ass hands, no gloves, just digging a body up themselves. Very good police work. Which again flies when you're like, this is a movie that takes place in the sixties, and then they're like, smartphone, DNA, modern cars. Everybody just has a throwback aesthetic. But you were saying, Sydney, you think like because it was trying to encapsulate that it has some of those values. Is that what you're trying to say? I think a little bit like because it was like the film was like taking like saying like it had something to say about old like Hollywood standards and societal standards in these like time periods where like Technicolor was bursting and like all the aesthetics. I think that has. I think that's one of the reasons maybe why it is so gender rigid because yeah. it, like society did used to be that gender rigid, unfortunately. But I, I don't think that it's, I think it's holding up that aesthetic. And I think to a degree it's holding up those gender rules as the ideal though. You know what I mean? I don't think it's, I think you're right that it is absolutely not an accident and they're tied together for that reason. But I don't, 
I, I kind of feel it's to say like, look at this glorious era. Why can't we go back to this in a way? Um, which is kind of the, the sticking point for me, I guess. Um, yeah, because I see that. I don't like that though. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I think a lot, but like, I also like this movie is high camp. Know what I mean? Like it is. Like, and you can want tell by the acting, which TBH, the acting, I think is like supposed it's, to be bad. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, it's, it's perfect supposed to for be what it like is. those movies. It's supposed it's to be exactly like those right movies. for what it is. Yes. It's, it's so, like, to be I think like those like, shitty 60 movies where there's a person never acted before, I guess, and they're like, oh no, Elaine. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the vibe. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's super convoluted. Like, the message is, is so muddled. And, and there's this quote from the India Indie Wire article that was an interview with, with Anna. And this is a quote from her. And she said, um, maybe there is a little of that in the love witch, the sense that you take the woman, the objectified sex symbol, and you ask what's inside her mind. The queasy thing about it is how the left has appropriated that kind of sex free sexual politics in a way that's not really good for women so that if you complain about some of the problems for women in the sexual revolution you're looked at as a right-wing prude the sexual revolution promised all kinds of freedom to women and none of it was accomplished at least not for women so like I don't know if that I feel like that like opened my eyes a little bit to like her whole deal um because yeah, I guess that there's some of some there's some truth to that, but also like using sexuality as power isn't bad, but I feel like the the movie's kind of arguing that it is bad because it only brings her grief, you know what I mean? It only brings her pain. And I, it's just like why did we have to make this so unclear? Like you're not making any point because there's 20 points being made that are all co like contradictory. I don't know. Right. Which would be totally fine if the movie was not trying to make any sort of moral statement or any sort of feminist statement or whatever it is. But, but so I is. think it's, uh, yeah, I think that it is, is the thing. And she has such strong statements in interviews and, and that's where I get really lost in that. I agree that I'm sure for many women, this like, sexual revolution and feminism and whatever meant that they had just new different expectations instead of the freedom to actually do what they want. Um, and I'm sure for many women in the free love era, not living by free love values or whatever had them labeled as a prude and stigmatized because of that in some ways but but the whole thing to me um okay so so I was talking to a trans person and they sent me the transphobia stuff but I had also picked up but even before that because that went entirely over my head frankly um but I picked up on this weird like trad wife vibe do you guys know the term trad wives I've heard that before but I don't know what it means Can no. you tell me? okay it basically is like traditional wife traditional oh. wives and the movement of being like 
it is not feminist for a woman to have to go to work and blah, blah, blah. What is feminist is for a woman to embrace her femininity and her feminine role of being the mother and the housewife, which is kind of what this movie says at a lot of the times of like breaking it down to like, the most feminist thing for women is to be feminine and the most masculine thing for men is to be masculine. The most empowering thing for men is to be the height of masculine ideal, no feelings. And the most feminist thing is for a woman to be a servant to her man because nobody else can fulfill that role. Um, And we should honor women for fulfilling that role. And that's where it's like, okay like there's nothing wrong with being a housewife be a housewife if you want to be a housewife but to say that actually the feminist choice now is to be a housewife because that is embracing feminism and that is embracing being feminine is where it's like well but that has been the standard this whole time that never stopped being the standard I will say though oh you go sorry sometimes I would just like to uh one, not be subservient to any man ever, but sometimes I would like to be like a stay-at-home daughter or something. Oh, like like that, have you know? a, a wealthy benefactor. You know I, what I mean? May we all have wealthy benefactors? I am just looking for but... a sponsor. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to work, but I also don't want to be subservient to anybody. Yeah, like, I think people should just give me money when I'm having a bad day. You know, like when I'm having a good day, I want to work. I want to do my job, but sometimes I just have really bad days and I don't want to do anything. And I think I need $5,000 to make me feel better. Somebody said $5,000 right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, but okay. My issue is, and this is the issue with this, this could be said about so many different things. It's just like everyone is trying to create these golden fucking rules of what every type of person think, cat, dog, whatever the fuck, whatever the topic is, should be. And it's like, these are the rules that you have to follow to be the perfect feminist, to be the perfect woman, to be the perfect man, to be blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, everybody's going to have their own fucking definition of, of what works for them. So like, let a person be a stay at home mom if they want to be a stay at home mom. Let some, let a girl be a final girl and like have, or have masculine traits or whatever, if that's how you want to say that. Like, let, everyone just be however they want to be unless they're hurting people um and and and, and give people agency what, in their own lives yeah, yeah that's what like feminism should be it's just like you, you having the freedom to express yourself as like if we're talking about women as a woman in whatever way you see that you know however that plays out for you and it's just uh, i don't know the the i can't figure out what her versions of the rules are, but they are ones I don't like. (laughs) That's what I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, I just, the the dialogue is so blatant in the movie. Like in that first conversation with Trish, Elaine says, um, she says, if you want love, you have to give love. Giving men sex is a way of unlocking their love potential. Um, 
poor Richard, he, she says like, if I gave Richard sex every time he wanted it, I'd be a wreck. And Elaine says, poor Richard, he loves you and he wants you and you torture him. You have to give a man his fantasy. Um, but also can we break down um, the fact that every man's fantasy, according to Elaine and according to therefore Barb and Gahan is like a mommy he can fuck? Sigmund Freud would love this movie. Seriously. I saw a TikTok the other day of like teenagers using the audio and it's like, when a man is in love, he becomes a child. And when a woman is in love, she becomes a mother. And somebody was just like, what the fuck? That's this movie though. Yeah. That is so fucking Let me be your mommy who is sexually available to you on demand. And she kind of has this expectation that in return the man will be the daddy and and not the baby but like you can't be a mommy to your daddy like you have to be if you're going to be a mommy and a daddy together now you guys are taking care of each other in equal ways and like sharing burdens and not being like let me do literally everything for you and be your fantasy and bend to your every whim well she, Except for the we fact already that she knows know she's gonna trap them under her will the second that she does it she's like i only have to bend to your whim this one time and then in theory you're under my spell you'll do whatever i want yeah i mean well we know that she has daddy issues because there's that audio uh flashback thing where like her jerry not steve i almost said steve jerry her husband like is saying horrible emotionally fucked up abusive things to her Here's and the then thing. there's also so her annoying. wait let me finish and her it also makes her it also goes back to her dad saying yes. similar stuff to her too so like that kind of you the know. dad stuff is a thousand times i mean not to minimize the jerry stuff but i'm looking at those quotes oh, no. the dad stuff um, is so bad i blocked it out i literally don't remember yeah the jerry is just like an absolute fucking bitch because he's yeah. like I love you very much but you need to be more careful dinner was late three times this week and the house is a total pigsty but okay here is the thing that he says after that which makes me a little bit like was Jerry wrong though he says do you know that I found an old hot dog under the bed this morning that was hilarious oh, so funny if it's his hot dog it's his hot die. dog but if it's his it hot dog do we know that? I mean, I don't doubt it because he is. He seems like a hot dog kind of guy. Not that there's anything wrong with liking hot dogs. I love right. hot dogs. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's like, I've been really patient up until now, but you need to step up your game. That's like, shut the fuck up, Jerry. But I found an old hot dog under the bed this morning. Honestly, just sends me. It's beautiful. I don't know. For me, Jerry was like, he was doing his own thing. There's also a mystery guy, Robert, who didn't make it into the cut of this movie. But when we're at the end and Trish is like going through her dresser and finding all the love spells for everybody, there's a mysterious fourth portrait on her dresser. Um, And then there's like a bundle in her drawer labeled oh Robert. God. So there's this Was this going to be Robert. a three hour long movie? I don't know. Like, <laughs> did Robert get cut or is Robert just like set dressing? I don't know. Um, But so there's Jerry who um, she was her, married her to her for two years. Yeah, her ex-husband she was married to for two years. And then he leaves her. And when he's about to marry somebody else, he, what did it say? He 
overdose or something like that. Um, and he'd never done drugs before. And then there's Wayne who dies of heart failure because um, he just no hot women are smart. Um, and so sad. So, so sad for him. Um, and then Richard, who I, she says, just like gets too obsessed with her, but there's so much of their relationship that happens off screen. That's really interesting because, um, we see her fucking like just the one time. Um, and he goes insane out of his mind where he's like, what are you doing to me alone? And that's why I was like, is he okay? Um, also just want to really quickly note that that strip tease that she did was incredible. And the feather boa sent me straight to heaven so anyway continue <laughs> her, all of her lingerie gorgeous but oh. she absolutely just repeated her routine that she did for Wayne. oh i would love to see yeah. her spice it up um although the boa, the, boa. the boa the boa you're right you're right you're right put some shine on um, the boa but but there's like this whole implied relationship with richard that happens off screen not just because we see her tell barb at the coven gathering for some solstice i don't know not a solstice um but some holiday she's like oh he was just too obsessed with me um but when trish is dressing up in all of elaine's um underwear and more um to go through her dressing she finds like a birthday card from richard that has like a picture of them in there and yeah they got like portraits done yes which is like really quick is that photo taken in front of john marshall high school which is the high school oh. from Nightmare on Elm Street because it looks a lot fucking like it. But anyway. I don't know. Like, I think they filmed mainly um, in, in Northern Eureka. California. Yeah, Eureka was like well, a lot of where it was. Um, and they filmed in like Berkeley and San Francisco too. House. But it could have <laughs> been. I mean, house. who knows? Maybe they did like, oh, wait, we need this photo. Um, who, they did just film fucking yellow jackets across the street from my house and I didn't know. And I'm just not okay about that. They were right there. Anyway, you continue. know what I have to say about that. Um, I'm and it was upset. a I'm very funny upset. joke that I made to you. Um, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but so then there's um, after Wayne, there's Richard and then there's Griff. And here's the thing is that he is like actually the masculine ideal that she's been asking for this whole time, which means that he is incapable of loving her because the man that she wants is someone who has no feelings. And then he comes along and he says, I have no feelings. And she's like, actually, you're the worst of all. And I'm I now I'm now I've snapped. Now I've snapped before it was murder on accident a little bit on purpose, but on accident, sort of. Now she's ready to go full dagger to the heart. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just think that like the thing is that she becomes their fantasy and then she expects them to become hers. And so then she realizes that does. in her head. No, he doesn't. Griff? Other he than he doesn't obsessed love her. With her. Well, no, but she doesn't thing. like that. The second no, that I they're know. obsessed with her, she's like, ew. No, I know, but she's trying to find, she wants them to just like love her and be like kind of normal. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> not be like, she should oh, have a better yeah, screening process know? than putting yeah. out her who wants to fuck aura and having every man in the vicinity turn their head their way and her saying, you'll do. Do you like nature? Do you like, it? she literally says to Griff, 
Okay, here's the thing. She doesn't um, search Griff out on purpose. He comes to her because he is investigating Wayne's murder. Um, and actually, I didn't notice this until That's I watched it the first time, the second time. Um, she's... She, she says she didn't use her magic, and that's why no, she it's did use better her from magic. the start. I mean, yeah, but that's not how they met. I don't know. Continue, whatever. Um, <laughs> she says, I know I've seen you before, I just don't know where. He says, I have that same feeling. And she says, I know you're the man in the cards, you're my fate. No, he's the cop that pulled her over in the beginning. Yeah, oh, he yeah. is. Anyway, um, so he's in here like interrogating her basically and being like are you a witch and she's like what just because i'm a witch that makes me capable of murder you don't know what it's like to suffer um and then she does her laser beam eyes into him and then he immediately goes you can call me griff and there's not really the sound of a bell as his dimple flashes but there might as well be um that's true okay you're right yeah, she like fully lasers into him. And that's when he starts to be like, oh, like, do you want to go horseback riding? Because she, what she says to him, this is her screening process. To Wayne, she goes, you seem like a man who likes nature. Is that true? And he goes, that is true. How could you tell? You know me so well. Two seconds in, what a read. And she's like, well, I'm good at reading people, except she's 100% not. Um, and then to Griff, she says, um, I did a Celtic cross reading for my future card. I got the Knight of Wands. I always felt that if that card showed up in a future reading, sorry, I don't know why I'm not doing my Elaine voice. Um, I would soon meet the man that I'm going to marry. I'll slip into it now. The man that I marry has to love animals. Do you like animals, Griff? And he goes, why, yes, I love animals. In fact, a friend of mine has a couple of horses I'm very fond of. You know, tomorrow is my day off and it's supposed to be quite nice out. Maybe I'll get away from the city and do some riding. Do you like to ride? But she's literally like, do you like nature? Do you like animals? Good enough for me. Girl, ask more follow-up questions. Literally anything. She's trying to get a, out of a murder charge with Griff. So fair enough. But then she decides that he's her Prince Charming and she's going to marry him. And he's perfect because he likes a horse named Patchouli. And I did not want this episode to end without men that horse was named patchouli um, i really like that about it i, love I that. mean that's kind of checking most of my boxes except he's a cop so it, that would have been the big first red flag and i would have turned around and walked away um but and he's a cop who's like weirdly flirting with all of his subordinates um connie oh yeah, at the station there's fucking connie oh for sure and then that one yeah. day after he's the one time he says no to connie is after Elaine has put him under her little spell. And then he's talking to that other police officer and his like former partner or current partner or whatever. And that guy's like, do you, did the, did the captain really say to leave the witches alone or are you in love with Elaine? Whatever her last name is. And the guy's like, Griff is like, how dare you say that I'm in love? And he punches him in the face for daring to suggest that Wait. he as a man would ever be vulnerable enough to experience the emotion of love. You're not explaining it right. He punches him in the face in the weirdest way I've ever seen anyone punch anyone in the face before. It's like it comes from like the middle of his chest and he's like, pow. It's so fake looking. It's hilarious. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't. Yeah. What were you going to say? 
the thing with Griff for me is that they have that whole renaissance thing where he he is so clearly only going along with things because he's under her sex magic spell um because he's just like oh this is so lovely we're out in the woods and they want us to get married and I'll do it and then they start stripping off his clothes so they can put him in a renaissance outfit too and he's completely silent that whole time essentially as they just like manhandle him into a tent um but then as they're canoodling post fake wedding rubbing their noses against each other and can we talk about that song at some point because I would love to talk about that song at some point um, all of the songs are amazing and they're all written by the director <laughs> they but there's this long voiceover while they're rubbing noses um mm-hmm. and he says, I'm not in love. It's not that I don't have sentiment. It's just that love is soft. You need guts in this business. I've seen guys get shot to death because they fell in love and got soft inside. I want an heir someday, which first of all, what is happening here? This whole thing, this whole movie, very Game of Thrones vibes. She is Cersei Lannister. Um, That aside, um, he says... I want an heir someday and I would need to have a wife. I feel an AU fan fiction coming on. (laughs) Here's the thing. It would work. Um, Men can get destroyed by things like that. It's like he's not even a man anymore. I never want to get that way. And she says, when you really love him, it's like fireworks and nothing else matters. You love all the little quirks about him, the way he slurps his cereal, the way his mouth is a little crooked. Those details about him become your whole life. Something inside you opens up like a flower and you realize that you have more love to give than you ever thought was possible because the more you know him, the more you love him. Cut back to him saying, the more you get to know a woman, the less you can feel about her. At first, she's this incredible object of mystery who fulfills all your wildest fantasies. Then she's starts to reveal little flaws then after all it just gets pretty hard to care the feminine and he's the ideal... a sociopath yes and so is she and they say that essentially at one point where he's yeah. like you murder people and she's like yeah but you're a narcissist um they which... are soulmates maybe um and then if so i'm i'm glad it ended the way that it did um but he says essentially i guess at that point that thesis statement of the movie which is that the feminine ideal only exists in a man's mind and no woman could ever actually fulfill it because they're real human people with real human needs um and the counterpoint to that is that the masculine ideal only exists in the female mind um is i guess the counterpoint and that no man could ever fulfill it because he is a real human being with real human needs and feelings as well, even if that real human need, his deepest need and human feeling is, um, I want a lady who's pretty and does thinking. So we're just set up to fail. Wow, what a uplifting film. <laughs> but it's so, that whole quote is so gross. He's like, sometimes when a woman woman just loves you more you feel like you're it's suffocating and you're drowning in estrogen but the whole time they're rubbing noses and then it's just like anyway to the rest of the movie i don't i don't know this 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 movie makes you think and every time it's in my brain (laughs) but like every time because i've seen this movie at least four or five times at this point Mm -hmm. and because one i had to watch it twice for this podcast um but every time I watch it I like something different in my brain 
click one i'm always flavor blasted when i watch it so i'm like oh my god blasted it's a wild ride i again i highly recommend it it was very confusing though because the first time i watched it i forgot that trish was dressed up as elaine when I saw her pick up Richard's portrait and I thought that it was Elaine. And then I was like, very confused. What did I write in my notes? I am, I said, <laughs> I don't know what I thought, but I said, bro, is this her son? Um, and then I said, wait, does that make any sense? Um, and so Babe. I'm not, I'm not really sure what happened there. Um, um, I had, I, if I had watched this high, I would have died because I had a weird thing happen with the sound on my <laughs> TV that absolutely scared the ever loving shit out of me. Like I was actively scared and like, this isn't, that's, this isn't a scary movie. It's vibey. There's some blood. We're happy about terrified. that. I was terrified. Okay. I was terrified yeah, the whole but, time. <laughs> well, it's not that scary though. Like if you're not high and, but I started the movie and the audio was like, I was hearing this voice that was like, wah, 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 wah. And I was like, God, this is going to be fucking weird as hell. And then, like, I paused it and I accidentally hit the exit button and I played it again. And all of a sudden, I hear this, like, high-pitched chipper voice and it's Elaine's voice narrating. And I was like, wait, what? And the whole movie had, like, been in slow motion when I first started it. And then later on in the movie, the audio unsynced. And so there was the fight scene between Elaine and Trish. And it was just with these weird like sounds in the background with no words. And I was like, they're talking to each other. What does this mean artistically? And then I was like, does it mean that the sound is fucked up again? Yes. (laughs) So I I wouldn't have been able to handle that. This sound is wonky on purpose at so many points in this movie. You, you, nobody could have expected you to not know that that wasn't really what was happening because at the end, freaky. So it was, I was like, this is correct. (laughs) At the end, there are so many moments where it's like almost entirely silent, except for like stab sounds, gasping breaths. You know what I mean? Like there are so many moments where the sound completely drops away. Um, well, let's talk about the ending then, because the the very end and then the right just before that, the bar scene, I think we should talk. Yeah, about we too. need to talk about the confrontation in the bar, because there is a line in there that that um, changed me fundamentally, maybe. Um, and what we haven't said yet so far, actually, is that um, did you guys know that there's a TikTok sound from this movie? When she says, yes. um, I, know, I know that you know, because you and I are on the same for you page, and I think it's very cute. Um, the day he left me is the day that I died. But yes. I was reborn to a witch. Exactly. Um, and that popped off on TikTok maybe a few months ago at this point. Um, I love that. And then I heard it in this movie, and I was like, what? Um, yeah. But, but that was not the most iconic line actually the most iconic line comes in the bar scene do you know the one i mean does it stand out immediately to you um he's like i okay I, i made a couple notes the first time around when i watched it and that was the only line that i wrote down because it was so 
insane to me. Um, but he's yelling at her. He's just been sitting there hearing everybody talking about the murder of Lane Peters again. Um, and then Elaine comes in and Griff says, sit down, Elaine. Elaine, the DNA come back from the lab. It connects you with Wayne Peters and Patricia Manning came by the station with some things of yours, including this. She said you drove her husband to suicide. And she goes, so I was a bad girl. Are you going to punish me? Um, just like the way that she goes, so I was a bad girl. Like, baby, you murdered like three guys and one of them killed himself. Like, so I was she a bad murdered, girl? She murdered her husband. I would say that she did not murder. She just manslaughtered the rest of them. She manslaughtered him, yeah. And then she for sure murders Griff, so. And here's the thing, too. Her husband was abusive, so, like. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> I'm going to so give her that one. So I was a bad girl. Just I'm going to start saying that for insane. any, when ev- anybody says anything bad. So I was a bad girl. What are you going to do? Punish me? Incredible. But that scene just goes off the fucking rails because all of a sudden it turns into like this full bar screaming, burn the fucking witch. Like one Griff, why would you have this confrontation with, a suspect in a public location you're a terrible cop <laughs> you're terrible at this um but like the, ugh, this this art this article from IndieWire made some fun uh connections because this movie came out like right after the election oh yeah 2016 and she said and- in an article that like people were she was not finding many of their reviews favorable at first um and then after yeah, the election people really oh that's what you were gonna say i'm so yeah. cut that out and then you said <laughs> i thought you were gonna read a quote i'm sorry yeah of her saying that <laughs> it's okay <laughs> my bad <laughs> um but she said that she said in this IndieWire article that basically like people really started seeing uh, allegories to Trump era bullshit um, in the film and then started liking it a lot more. Um, and so there's the quote she says, uh, hold on, let me see where to start it. They talked about the character and her situation as if it were something current and relevant, which they hadn't done before. They started calling her the love wish, hashtag nasty woman, you know, grab her by the pussy jokes. People became more conscious that this movie's ideas were relevant now rather than seeing it as some fun little retro thing. And those scenes towards the end at the bar with the near rape and the crowd shouting burn the witch that all feels pretty Trumpian all of a sudden. And like, yeah. It sure did. This is not a super relevant question, but I honestly just could not get a grasp on what world we were in. Um, The 60s stuff aside, I was like, okay, is this true blood? And these are like real witches with real magical powers who have come out of the woodwork to be like, we're here and we're part of society and you guys have to deal with that. Or is this like, what we do in the shadows where it's all happening but like most people aren't really aware of it until it kind of crosses their paths or is it like the world that we live in in reality where some people do practice wicca 
Um, and there are like Wiccan communities and there are people who have covens, um, but everyone kind of has their own beliefs about whether or not it's real. I feel like they are all real witches and they all have real power, but they're being led by a bad man who's like corrupting their power and using it to to serve himself so they can't reach their full potential because he's in the mix. And that's why all of her spells aren't working. All of her bottles of piss aren't working. (laughs) Her she only bottles. did the pee with the used tampon in it to bury with Wayne. And honestly, was that they they call it a witch bottle when they're investigating the murder, but she just buries it with him so that she says um, a little bit of her can be with him always. It's also I'm a gonna, witch bottle. It's both. <laughs> I'm going to bury one. all the men that I go on one date to the woods with with a piss bottle i want you to give a tampon to everyone yeah um, she also like didn't clean up the crime scene at all like she left the eggs she left her she blood give a fuck. she's like whatever even at the end he's like you buried him and she's like so what that's my religion <laughs> and uh, you can't just, burn a woman at this stake for burying a lover according to her religion. And he's like, mm, I'm pretty sure you can go to jail for illegally disposing of a body. Yeah, yeah you can. You, yeah, you actually can. But I, I mean, let's just talk about the the very end now, because like, I feel like even though there's so much to say about this movie, problematic, not so problematic, very problematic. Every scene is a winding road. Um, I thought the ending was just like, beautiful how it all came together like how she has the vision where she sees griff like as death and instead of and she realized she's been like painting all of these paintings like her whole life depicting the scene of a woman like cutting out a man's heart and then she's like oh wait that's now <laughs> yeah i mean i thought it was really interesting too how it's like they already had the whole you're immune to love fight conversation, blah, blah, blah. But even then she kind of does get him back under her spell a little bit after they escape the bar scene together. And she Mm. does her whole thing that she does to all of the boys of being like, poor baby, poor, poor baby. But part Mm. of her magic that I think we have not really um, acknowledged much is that it is, she's giving them I don't know if it's witch bottles or whatever but she gives them something to drink like we see Wayne has the flask but also Richard is drinking the wine that she gives him um she tries to push like the tea and cakes pretty hard on Trish at one point she gives Griff at the end something to drink and he looks at it and like kind of looks at her and then pours it on the floor and that's when she really like recoils and is like oh now this is a problem well, that was also part of the vision that met, led her to realize mm-hmm. like what she needed to do because that had been depicted. Goblet. Yeah, the drop goblet had been depicted. But yeah, I just loved it's so fucked up, but I love that like she saw all of those lo- I said I've said this already, but she saw all those lovers saying what she wanted them to say and they're all dead and she was like, "Oh, if I'll get Griff to say what I want him to say because the fantasies I have of these men are exactly what I want. So if I kill him, then it's just my fantasy that's left. 
and I can live Which in that. Which is all she and loves. That's yeah. Like that, yeah, and that's what she does. She fucking kills him, and then she sees in her mind's eye her perfect prince, and then she has her real perfect Renaissance ma- wedding, which will be my wedding one day. And she goes on a unicorn, and she's very happy. <laughs> the and end. he says, I love you, Elaine. I've never loved anyone but you. I want to marry you. And she's like, uh-huh. Thanks, Beth. And you see musicians playing and no music at that point. That that scene where they were fighting, but there were no words, really could have been real. No way to know. Except I know I I freaked out at that point too because Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck, my sound got fucked up again. (laughs) I literally paused it, exited it out, but it was so close to the end that it restarted the whole movie and fast forward. (laughs) Anyway, you know curse you amazon prime um but yeah that's the love witch (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't think we could have done any better of a job discussing it than we did no frankly it's literally so so convoluted it's Uh, so all over every scene is like so dense it feels so long it felt like i was watching a 15 hour prestige drama because there's so much <clears throat> packed into every scene even when the dialogue is like very i think purposefully overwritten and delivered in that like sort of stilted yeah. way a lot of the time like it's it's dense it's a dense two hour it's long movie super dense and it took me like three and a half hours to watch um but it was great in in its own way um how could it be gayer? I mean, we talked about it already. The movie could have been over in the first scene if Trish and Elaine had just gotten together. And yeah. Could have um, just had joy. It, it could be not transphobic, for one. Uh, um, yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be great. Um, That would be, I think, baseline for how it could uh-huh. be gayer. Yes. But also the part where... Trish dresses up in Elaine's wig and makeup and underwear and clothing. Um, That's very gay and it's very the roommate. Yes. They should have fucked with her dressed like that. Anyway, that's something for later. Moving on. (laughs) Honestly, fucking her husband is pretty gay in the the whole thing. That's okay. These are the same dialogues we've been having about Jackie and Shauna on Yellow Jackets. Um, which is that mm. to fuck your bestie's man is to fuck your bestie, frankly. Um, and consider that. So just sit on that for a while. You want to be her. You want to be with her. And that's gay. You want to be with her. You want to be in her. It's they want to be each other. That's so gay. They just want to um. fuse into one. Yeah, it's gay as fuck. It's canon. It's canon. <laughs> um, okay. How where would Matthew Lillard fit into this? For me, I can't have him in this movie because it would ruin it. Not that he would make it worse, but like if I had anyone I recognized in this film, it would yeah. have like taken me out of it and taken me out illusion. of the fact that I fully thought it was released in 1960. <laughs> okay, I but he would case. make a great Richard or Jerry. Yeah, he had, but Jerry's got Shaggy's hair. Um, so that's kind of just like a natural thing right there. A like I would have liked to have seen him in the Jerry, just the flashbacks of just Jerry smiling and Jerry like laying on the floor. 
he, do we ever the see the glass? dad? He could do the no. voice of the dad. And then it wouldn't be so illusion breaking. I would recognize his voice. That yeah, might have been I, worse. Yeah. That might have been worse, actually, if I like just hear like Matthew. Huh? Taylor? God, is that you? Matthew? <laughs> I think he could have been um, one of the coven members who we don't see very well, maybe. Um, oh, or he could have just coven been, member. Yeah, one of the coven. <laughs> don't say that about Maddie Willie. Don't without say that about consent. Maddie Willie. Um, <laughs> but you he just- could be a coven member portrayed in one of the paintings in Elaine slash Barb's home maybe okay very layers and layers yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. of Matthew Lillard he could have been the mime he could have been the mime and then he'd be under the mime makeup yes that's the one that's where he is he is the mime he is the mime that he will be the officiant at my wedding as the mime (laughs) anyway (laughs) um and then who's the dumb bitch I mean they're all the dumb there's so many people who are dumb in this in so many different ways yeah i don't think i can nail one down for this for me who's the coven leader what's his name oh gay hand he's the biggest bitch i hate him i'll give it to him frankly because i'm too conflicted to give it to anybody else yeah agreed Okay, well, then that brings us to our knives out of fives. I'm interested to see how we're going to rate this one. What did the people think, Chelsea? Um, The people on IMDb gave this movie a 6.2 out of 10. Um, and then even though Anna Biller said she had a lot of haters, um, critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave this 95% fresh, which I think is one of the highest that we've seen from critics. I saw um, that. That was crazy to me. Yeah. And then audiences didn't necessarily get it the same way that critics do. And they gave it 60%, which is still fresh, but is 35% lower. Um, and and frankly, in terms of my feelings, I don't have any idea how I feel about this movie. Like even the first time I watched it before I went down any rabbit holes about anything, um, the first note that I wrote was I'm terrified to discuss this movie because it is, it is the horniest thing I've ever seen, but it is also gone girl. Um, because the whole thesis statement is the cool girl monologue and gone girl, um, which is like, I pretended to be this ideal for him because he was supposed to pretend to be this ideal. Now he doesn't want to hold up his end of the bargain, but he's chipped away at my soul this whole time I had to pretend. That's murder. So guess what? Um, I'm framing you for murder. Um, so sorry if anybody hasn't seen Gone Girl, but it's been years. Um, but yeah, I, I, my notes were essentially like, I don't know if I'm scared because this is a horror movie or if I'm scared because like, and I'm going to say this and I don't want further comment. It's not for discussion. This is just in some ways a queer podcast. This is part of my queer experience. Am I scared because this is a horror movie or am I scared because I'm maybe asexual? Um, And there was just so much happening that was so overwhelming to me in a million different ways, even before I got into the even more overwhelming parts. Um, 
yeah. that I had to come up with a list of cultural touchstones that I would like to share um, before we wrap up. Um, and my cultural touchstones were Gone Girl, that episode of CSI where Milo Ventimiglia does gym some weed and then kills his friend. Um, oh, fuck. Blood, Bedazzled, The Roommate, Midsummer, obviously, Jennifer's Body, obviously, The Blood Spattered Bride, obviously, yes. which we haven't There's even discussed even the at all. rings part at the, the end, rings, he's wearing the, the daggers, colorful rings. The heart. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then that episode of Hawkeye where they do the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> Those were my cultural touchstones where I was just like reaching around me for something familiar to something help to me ground myself. To. Yeah. Well, do you know what you want to? No, like <laughs> no. She abstained. No idea. I like it. Like, I can't touch this. I texted I, I mean, Sydney. It's so hard. I texted Sydney and I was like, the idea, the the first time I watched this, even again before I went down the rabbit hole, and I said the idea that I need to discuss this movie publicly on the record before I have an emergency thirty hours of therapy to process this is like untenable to me. Um, and I think I've done my best to power through, um, but I don't know that I can go any further. (laughs) No, I understand that. I, I mean, I feel you. I feel like I would give this like two different ratings based on like, if you muted it and if you unmuted it, you know what I mean? (laughs) I think it's an incredibly well put together piece of art. Yeah. Like I am blown away by the attention to detail. I'm really moved by like when people put every, they really throw their fucking back into it. You know, like this, this director, she had a vision. She spent seven fucking years on this movie seven and a half or something like that filmed it on 35 millimeter I mean it's just like it is a feat of cinematography to behold that like they made this movie so believably like born out of the 1960s and it came out in fucking 2016 I'm not over that and I've seen the movie now I'm not over it and the costume design I'm want to buy all of the things I'm looking for that red dress like look at me right now I'm wearing the wig I'm gonna wear this blue eyeshadow every day of my life for the rest of my life and it'll stain my eyelids blue and it'll be worth it but like you unmute the movie um and you hear the awesome songs the original songs that she wrote for the movie also incredible but it's just the message is so all over the place and it made me feel super icky a lot of the time after this conversation I feel a little ickier especially with all of the transphobia that now seems so blatant after we've talked about this um and that I you know I feel like the moments when she starts like saying her thoughts about her version of feminism or whatever it may be um luckily aren't constant throughout the film so I would feel super shitty and then there'd be like 45 minutes of magical renaissance fair and so I sort of <laughs> forgot you then know they'd be like, here's patchouli the horse and you'd be like patchouli the patchouli. horse <laughs> I was like wow a renaissance fair at all in this film like I didn't think I could love it aesthetically anymore but I have a huge thing for the renaissance fair um so I I don't know if it if I could parse out the politics a little bit better I would give this a higher score I would give it a five for like the way that it is put together physically Mm -hmm. 
But like because of that, it's like docking me down to like a 3.8 for me, maybe a four. I don't know. It's just it's hard. It's it's just so hard. I can't I still can't really put my finger on the message. Yeah. But I don't like it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I think about that medium article um who was I I want to say the author's name, um, but they just call themselves Sam B. Um, but I'll link it in the references. But their their perspective of like, I love this movie and I see myself in it and I think it's great art. And I just think it's a shame that the movie doesn't see itself in me. To me, I think that is a wonderful statement. Um, but then also there was that other article where they were just like, this is bad and it's harmful and can we stop doing it? And it's like, okay, yeah. that that leaves me kind of conflicted. Yeah. I think both of those statements can like live in the same. For sure. Place. Yeah. For sure. And nobody's like, a monolith and everyone has like, there. there's no group where everyone is going to all say the same thing or feel the same way. So, yeah. I love this movie. I think I, I, t- I honestly, I take this movie at like face value and just like have a fun time watching like a weird movie, quite frankly. Yeah. And so I always, uh, it's a four out of five for me. Like, this movie I it's weird but every once in a while I just get the thing where I'm like I'm gonna get high and watch this weird movie in my house and just like aesthetically joy it and not like read too deep into it and Uh just be like this is a weird movie and I think if you're if you're not looking for be like what is the deep meaning of this movie it's so much more enjoyable Totally, totally. When I was watching it last night, I was like, yay, you know, because I was just kind of in an okay mood, you know, and I wanted to have a good time. And then I was reading about it and I was really thinking about it. And I was like, yay. I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, so no thoughts, just vibes. I would give it a yeah, four out this of four. Is, <laughs> this is a no thoughts, just vibes movie. Did you come to a conclusion on your score, Chelsea? I don't know. I got. I. I wish I could be no thoughts, just vibes. But I have one billion thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And I. 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 It's such an incredibly well put together film. If I am allowed to death of the author, it I can find meaning in it, which is essentially that. Um toxic masculinity toxic masculinity and very strict heteropatriarchy harms everybody involved nobody yeah. comes out of this in a good light nobody comes totally. out of it feeling good um elaine has like this sort of moment of victory at the end but it's not rooted in reality or in her current situation or anything like that um and so like in that sense um if i just take the text i don't disagree with what I decide that it's saying and I don't disagree with what I want it to be saying um but I I don't I don't know I don't know you don't have you don't have to read it it's fine that's we'll just put abstained on letter on letterbox Yeah, there's there's so much going on here. Um, and I and I will say the Jimson weed sequence terrifying. <laughs> Ter- terrifying for me. 
um one of the horror movies that i was genuinely scared while watching so you know that's not nothing there you go got it got chelsea <laughs> it got chelsea scared me. it got her it got her You're it's too spooker. scared <laughs> oh man and that's the love witch what a doozy i'd watch it again though <laughs> Sydney, next time you're in town, let's get flavor blasted and let's dress up like in our Ren Fair outfit. <gasps> yes, that'd be better. It would be more comfortable for me to watch the film, not in a wig, because this shit's <laughs> itchy. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, n- next week we're doing something really fun. Who wants to introduce that one? Um, I'll I'll introduce it, which is just to say that um, it's another Finky. I think. Um, I don't think yeah. any of us. Monica, have I've you seen, seen it? it? Monica okay. seen it. Monica's seen it. Um, but we are joined by a special guest next week. Um, if you'll remember from our My Bloody Valentine episode, um, I mentioned the words entertainment weekly, and then I said that's an Easter egg for later. Um <laughs> Easter egg reveal now. <laughs> Easter egg revealed. Um, but next week we are joined by our friend Chancellor Agard um, because we are doing the new Candyman. Um, we kind of have, woo, woo, yeah, we kind of have a standing policy um, of asking our friends who will maybe be on the pod, like, what movie do you, would you want to do? And coming up with just like a list so that when a movie comes up, we can we can tap our special guests. Um, and Chance is a real, actual uh, media critic for Entertainment Weekly. He is smart and knows things and does that professionally. He's also um, very good at cooking. Oh, um, he's incredible at side cooking. Note. And he loves suits. Um, yeah, those are just um, Easter oh, yeah, eggs. Or he better Easter wear egg. a suit. To Maybe we're recording on Valentine's podcast. Day. It would be very romantic. <laughs> um, he is our Valentine's duty. He's our Valentine's. Um, and um, this is going to be so long after Valentine's Day, but it's fine. Um, but he asked if he could do the original Candyman, and then we had to be like, "Oh no, sorry, bestie, we already did it." Um, but and it would have been like such a better episode if he had been on it because, like, I yeah. But like, this is this is going to be fucking good too because I really liked this movie. I'm excited for you guys to. It. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I love the original Candyman. We all loved the original I Candyman. I love the original very Candyman. Very different vibe. And we had kind okay. of similar discussions where we were like, is this movie achieving what it wants, but is it good anyway? Um, and so I'm really curious to see the new one, especially when it put the power of storytelling like back in the hands of the people who the stories are about. Um, so I'll be very curious to watch it. Um, and I'll be very I'm curious to, to discuss with the real bona fide smarty. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun, um, and so you know it's still love season, and why not show us some love still? You know, um, I gave you a smooch at the beginning of this episode. Why not give us a smooch in the form of a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify? It just seems like the nice thing to do. Very giving. Um, it's not the season of giving, but we could still say that. Uh, and also why not follow us on social media at spooky underscore Tuesday that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok something else um, we're also on we're also on YouTube if you just search spooky Tuesday uh, podcast we should come up hopefully um, and we're on Letterboxd at spooky Tuesday and we're on Facebook and Tumblr at spooky Tuesday pod so we got a lot of options there so much content Goodbye.
<laughs> no thanks for listening thanks for listening um i hope you're doing okay after the big thoughts we thoughts today the big thoughts we thoughts today i'm obviously not i'm gonna turn it all off <laughs> time for brain breaks time for brain break time for brain break <laughs> Bye, spooky. <laughs> so I was a bad girl. Are you going to punish me? Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff, and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore omg.